The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Could California become a sanctuary state for medical child abuse? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, there is a reason that we have been shouting from the rooftops for so many years about the direction of certain activist circles within our society. There's a reason that we have been raising our voice. We care about people. We care about every individual, however they identify. At the same time, we see a dangerous agenda sweeping the nation. And often the ones that are impacted the most are children. Number to call if you have questions about this today, 866-34-TRUTH. 866-348-7884. But I want to go straight to my guest in California, Greg Burt with the California Family Policy Council. And Greg, uh, a lot of things are happening in California. I think the whole nation needs to know about it. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Uh, California is intent on becoming the sanctuary for minors being sterilized with transgender drugs and surgeries. So they need to be alarmed at what California's up to. Yeah, we, you know, we're hearing of different states saying they're going to be sanctuary states for abortion. Of course, Governor Gavin Newsom leading the way in California for that. But now this is this is yet another step. Now, a lot has happened in California. And, Greg, you've been on the front lines. I get your emails and, and see what's happening. You've worked with ex-gays and tried to influence the legislature there. Let's talk about two major bills. We'll, we'll break them up that are forthcoming in California. And, and you, excuse me, you can do this on a legal level that everyone can understand. Break these down for us. Tell us exactly what's at stake. Yeah, so there's two bills that are uh, going through the legislature right now. They're being introduced by a senator out of San Francisco, uh, Scott Weiner. Uh, he's an openly uh, gay man that is promoting these particular bills. And he's, he's particularly upset about what he sees happening around the country with uh, state limiting uh, access to puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and uh, surgeries for minors. Um, and he wants California to be a place where you can come and be protected from those laws as they're enacted. But he also, uh, for families and, and parents or even doctors who are fleeing from those uh, states that are now banning those treatments, but he wants, uh, he wants to provide um, children, uh, minor, any minor who gets to California, uh, California courts, this particular bill will sever uh, parental rights of the parent, uh, and they will take jurisdiction over that child so that child can get the uh, cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries they want, uh, even if the parents uh, will not agree to it. Um, so this is a SB 107, um, and it is uh, making its way quickly through the legislature with a, a hearing next week, but it's, it's got to be passed by the end of the month, so it's going to go quick. So that's one of them. All right, so let's let's just focus on this for one moment. Sure. You're, we understand the ramifications, so doctors say, all right, here's the place to go. We can do our transgender surgery. We can put these kids on, on hormones, block the onset of puberty, and all of that. 
parents, families say, hey, here's the place for us to go. We can get this. So that, that's bad enough. And we'll, we'll talk about why in a moment. But how old would a kid have to be to get into California on his or her own and say, hey, I want these treatments and I can't get them in my home state? There's no age limit. <clears throat> um, it's the, the, simply, the bill simply says that, um, that a child, um, if they, a child is brought to California, a court would be prohibited from considering whether that t- child was uh, kidnapped from the person with legal custody if that child has come to the California for gender-affirming care. So the, the family courts will, not, will, will even take temporary jurisdiction um, of the child um, if that child has come uh, for the purpose of drug or transitioning. It's going to treat it sim- – the, the California already has a, a similar law – um, if a child is being abused in another state, right? So if there's child abuse happening, um, then California will take tr- uh, temporary jurisdiction of that child if the child is running from being abused uh, by their parent in another state. So California is going to treat that situation just like they would treat uh, an abused child because in their mind, a parent is actually abusing a child by not giving them the life-saving treatment of gender-affirming care, they call it. So let's just say, theoretically, let's say you've got a 15-year-old girl. She's got a cousin that's 20 years old, and the cousin's family lives in California. The girl lives in Texas now, and let's say Texas says you can't uh, do these transgender surgeries or put the kids on drugs. So the cousin says, hey, you know, let's take a trip to California. Parents, yeah, you can go with your cousin. Then to find out that the kid's going to stay there with the other family, and maybe she's 16 years old, is going to have her breast removed. I mean, this is, are, are we exaggerating and saying some of this? Is this really what the law is saying? That is what the law is saying. And, and you know, when California comes up with these crazy laws, I, I always think, you know what, no one's going to believe me, right? So I always get a bunch of attorneys to just confirm, right? <laughs> and so um, I got three, uh, well, four different attorney organizations confirming what I'm saying. And I'm just going to quote you um, a, a quote from Pacific Justice Institute, which is a Christian legal yeah. organization. Sure. Um, and uh, Matthew McReynolds, um, he said, SB 107 may be, may be the most brazen assault on fundamental parental rights in the history of this state. This is not a game. It's not a spoof or a joke. Families who thought they had escaped California will not be safe if this bill is enacted. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it, 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 we're telling the truth here. It, it is shocking. In fact, let's let's play a clip. This is Chloe Cole. This is a young woman who became convinced that yeah, she was actually trapped in the wrong body. And let's let's hear what happened to her. This this is. Not theoretical. This is a young woman's life. Let's listen to her testimony before these very legislators saying, hey, this is what reality is. This is what we're dealing with. My name is Chloe Cole, and I am a 17-year-old detransitioner from the Central Valley. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 to 16. My parents took me to a therapist who affirmed my male identity, and the therapist did not care about causality or encouraged me to learn to be comfortable in my body. He brushed off my parents' concerns about the efficacy of hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. My parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move me forward in my transition. 
My endocrinologist, after two to three appointments, put me on puberty blockers and injectable testosterone. At age 15, I asked to remove my breasts. My therapist continued to affirm my transition. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with around 12 girls that thought were, they were men. Most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. I was unknowingly physically cutting off my true self from my body, irreversibly and painfully. Our trans identities were not questioned. I went through with surgery. Despite having therapists and attending the top surgery class, I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any of the medical decisions I was making. I wasn't capable of understanding, and it was downplayed consistently. My parents, on the other hand, were pressured to continue my so-called gender journey with a suicide threat. I will never be able to breastfeed a child. I have blood clots in my urine. I am unable to fully empty my bladder. I do not yet know if I am capable of carrying a child to full term. In fact, even the doctors who put me on puberty blockers and testosterone do not know. SB 107 is circumventing state's laws that have needed safeguards in place so my story is not repeated. Children cannot consent. Vote no on SB 107. Yeah, this is, this is what we're dealing, friends. It is absolutely heartbreaking. And Greg, before I was on Tyra Banks' show in 2009, if you can believe this, to talk about these very issues as they brought out kids as young as seven or eight, first time on, on national TV that this was being shown with these little kids. And I was the only voice saying you're experimenting with the children. I reached out to Dr. Paul McHugh, who is a leading psychologist at Johns Hopkins University and who got uh, sex change surgery banned from Johns Hopkins Medical Center. Now they, they recently reinstated it, but he got it banned for decades. And I reached out to him and said, have your views changed on this? And he said, any, to paraphrase, any medical interference, drug interference, surgical interference with the development of a child is child abuse. And mm -hmm. this, is, this is what we're dealing with, California becoming a sanctuary state for medical child abuse. I know, I know. And some states are finally standing up against it. I'm not sure if you've seen uh, Ken Paxton, Attorney General of Texas, yeah, uh, put out an official opinion back in February. Uh, just it was a it's a great you know about 15 page uh, summary of why these uh, transitioning surgeries and drugs are child abuse. Yeah, um, and the, the crazy thing it says you know is there is no and I'm reading from the report there is no long term mental health outcomes that are improved or uh, rates of suicide that are reduced by hormonal or surgical intervention. And then the other thing is that, uh, he quotes here, is childhood onset gender dysphoria has been shown to have a high rate of natural resolution. Yep. Up to, up to 98% of kids, if you don't transition them, they come to learn to accept their body. Right? If, if, if it was 50%, why would you ever do this knowing you could mistakenly sterilize someone for life yeah right there's no going back and you're going back and what there's no going back and these kids you know uh a lot of them are confused and it, well, i mean if anybody ever has a teenager i mean i got a couple teenagers and you know they don't know they're they struggle with emotions all the time you know <laughs> they don't they're struggling to find out who they are why would you let them decide and make permanent decisions you know at 11 12 13 right, right? We and they're even even younger. We wouldn't for any other area of life. And, and you know what's really interesting, Greg, is that there are now more and more gay and lesbian activists speaking up because 
what they're saying is, you know, a lot of these kids are just gay or lesbian. And in fact, out of that very high percentage you, you mentioned, and it, it seems to be average in the, in the around 90% that, that will just come through and, and no longer feel they're trapped in their own body. Many will identify as gay or lesbian. Say, well, that's the whole thing. It's just a gay kid and you're trying to like surgically mutilate them. So, I mean, even unlikely voices, including now people who have transitioned themselves and they're speaking out saying, no, don't do this to the children. It's, it's wrong. And you could never change a male into a female, no matter what you do or vice versa. All right. We'll talk about the other bill when we come back and some other developments from the recent years in California with Greg Burt from the California Family Policy Council. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire as we talk about what is happening in California, radical, extreme, beyond what you think is, is possible, and yet actually being considered for law in California. So speaking with Greg Burt from the California Family Policy Council, Greg, tell us about the second bill that relates to this one. Yeah, this is another uh, bill from Senator Weiner out of San Francisco. He's been upset that there are still some doctors here in California who refuse to provide uh, transitioning drugs and surgeries to people, right? I mean, a, lot, a lot of doctors, sadly, have not spoken up against these uh, the effects of these drugs, but um, but there are still they're trying to keep their head down and they just are refusing to provide you know uh, whether it's cross sex hormones puberty blockers or doing surgeries they just they don't want to have anything to do with it and they're refusing to do with it and that is making Scott Weiner very upset. So what he has done is he has introduced a bill uh, SB uh, nine twenty three and this bill is all to put pressure on these doctors. What it does is it requires all doc all anybody employed uh, or being insured by a health provider to go through LGBT training, sensitivity type training, where they learn about um, how best to treat uh, and talk with and deal with those who identify as transgender. Okay, so that's, that's bad enough. That's been happening in a bunch of uh, different professions here in California. But if uh, the, this bill also provides a complaint um, uh, provision where if someone files a complaint against a doctor for not providing this type of care, um, then the doctor has to be re-educated, right? And the complaint, if it's found credible, is made public, right? Mm. And this is and sanctions can be added uh, imposed on the doctor if he still refuses to provide the care, right? The care, right? I'm using their language. Right. You know, the, 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 the sterilizing uh, <laughs> uh, treatments. Uh, and this is simply to take those remaining doctors who haven't fallen in line and either ruin their careers, publicly shame them, or coerce them into doing these things that they 
their conscience would violate their conscience. I mean, it's setting up for a great big lawsuit, but he's going ahead with it anyway. So again, let's let's flesh this out. Let's say that you are a doctor and you are known for treating women with breast cancer and you are known for uh, performing mastectomies and things like that, strong reputation. So here's a 17-year-old girl. She's been on puberty blockers for, for years already, and now she's, okay, ready to take that next step and, and, and get a mastectomy. And this doctor, in conscience, is not going to remove the breasts of, of, of a woman who's healthy. There's no cancer. There's no medical reason to do it. So she goes to this doctor because he's highly recommended and says, no, we, we don't do that under these circumstances. I only do a mastectomy if there's cancer disease and, and therefore we have to remove the breasts. So theoretically now, if he refuses, he could, he could be publicly shamed. There could be lawsuits against him. There could be a, a complaint filed that is now on record. So when you go to search for this guy, this blemish is there. And who knows what could happen beyond that. Now others, oh, you don't do this, kind of gang up on him. Am I understanding that correctly, or am I exaggerating? No, first you'll have to be sent to the re-education class. Oh, right. right? Forgot. I left that out. Sorry. I left that out. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so if he, if he fails to provide the, the care or the treatment, or the, the mastectomy, he'll be forced back into the class, right? But, um, and, that's, and that's after the uh, there's a complaint system uh, with some type of evaluation to see if the complaint is, is uh, verified, right? But then once it's verified that, yes, this doctor won't do a mastectomy on this healthy girl, um, yeah, he'll have to be re-educated. And then um, I'm reading from the, the, the law here. Uh, yeah. uh, it says the, the bill would also require the departments to track and monitor complaints received by the departments related to trans-inclusive care, and to publicly report this data as specified. Yeah. Yep. Publi so what's, what's that about? Publicly report this data. We're, so we're going to shame you, right? It's, it's, it is crazy that there is a, a particular treatment, right, The doctors now are forced to give. I mean, it, can you name another treatment like this? Um, right, so where let, a doctor just... is mandated to give or you're going to be shamed? Yeah, so let's just think of it. You you go to a a heart doctor, right? And you say, "Hey, uh, doctor, I, I've got this condition, and I understand that you have a treatment that is very popular. You know, with this, you know, surgery that you do, and it's gotten great results." And he looks at you and says, "Yeah, you're not a good candidate. No, it's uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it, and uh, I certainly wouldn't perform it. I don't think it's got a good chance of success. So uh, we're not going to do it." And I, I would discourage you from seeing someone else because I don't think it's going to work. But anyway, I won't do it. All right, so you walk out the door, right? The, the last thing you want is someone operating you who doesn't want to. A doctor can do that. Doc, I'd like this medication. No, no, I don't recommend that. Given your other medications, not a good idea. I won't prescribe it. That's their prerogative. You'd always go see another doctor, but that's their prerogative. So th this is it. I mean, I'm not aware of anything like this in in our medical history. I'm, I'm by no means a historian of this, but it is shocking. This is this has never been about tolerance, has it? This has never been about diversity. This has been about my way or the highway, and we're gonna put you under pressure. Yeah, there is this kind of a, a totalitarian, totalitarian impulse, Yeah, right? That 
Senator Weiner has and the LGBT caucus has regarding, you know, how we are treated. It's like, if you disagree with the treatment we want for ourselves, we will make you give it to us. <laughs> we will punish you. We will destroy your career. You know, there is only one way, right? No one, no one is to disagree, right? And th- those who disagree are going to pay, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that, you know? <laughs> that's the reality of what we're dealing with. So one last thing, Greg, and, and then we'll find out what, what our, our listeners and viewers could do. There was a bill in California that was just removed before it would have gone forward and it likely would have passed. Uh, I dubbed it the must-stay-gay bill. And this bill would have banned all professional counseling, uh, not, not for minors, that's already in place in California, but people of any age who were had unwanted same-sex attraction, wanted to go to professional therapist, counselor, psychologist to get to the root of it and try to deal with it, or... Uh, struggling with gender identity and wanted to become at home in their own body, it would have been illegal in the state of California to provide professional help for those people. Uh, again, unbelievable, outrageous. That's why I dubbed it the must-stay-gay bill. You were on the front lines with that. You were involved with people testifying, ex-gays and others. In your opinion, why is it that the bill was withdrawn when it had a good chance of passage? Niflis versus Becerra. <laughs> that was a Supreme Court case that came down in July when there was the recess. Um, and what that and that was a, a Supreme Court decision against another California bill. Um, it was a it was a law that had been passed targeting pregnancy uh, care centers, and it was telling those li- those centers that were licensed. It says, "Hey, since you are licensed by the state, we have the right to determine." what you need to say to yep. your clientele. And one of the things they were going to require uh, that, that they say is they had to tell them about where to get free abortion. Yep. And, and, and uh, the Supreme Court said, you know what? No, this is a private organization. Uh, compelled speech is violating free speech. The government can't compel someone to say a thing they do not believe in. Right. And the whole law was based on this idea that, um, government could uh, that professional speech had less freedom of speech rights than regular speech. And professional speech was licensed speech. And the Supreme Court came back um, and said, "Well, professional speech is no has no less freedom of uh, freedom uh, freedom of speech rights than any other speech, right? So it undermined the whole idea that licensed speech had less freedom of speech rights." Yep. than other speech. Well, that is what the whole... We have a, here in California, we have a... Already we have a, a ban on uh, counseling for uh, minors. Yep. So you can't... You can't pers- if a minor has unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, you can't help them uh, accept their own bodies or to change their feelings or behaviors, right, towards heterosexual uh, behavior or feelings. Um, and so that that law undermined that whole principle. So that is one of the reasons I think the law has never come back, right? Is because they, I think they knew if they passed it, that the, the, the Supreme Court would make a decision that would outlaw for the whole country. So that's my, and I'm not sure if you saw what happened in Florida uh, this last week, the le, the 11th, uh, the circuit, 11th, the circuit court, 11th, 
the group now, what do they call it? The Circuit Court of Appeals? Yes, number 11. Um, <laughs> they just came down with a case that struck down a counseling ban in uh, one of the cities there in Florida. Yep. Um, it was a major ruling. Yeah, of course. That was a major ruling based on free speech, right? <laughs> that yeah. you can't you can't tell a counselor just because they're saying something that's super unpopular by the government that they, you can't you can't dictate their speech what yeah. they can and can't say in a counseling session. And and right? it is this stuff is all completely totalitarian. Hey, hey Greg, just stay with me a couple more minutes. On the other side of the break, I want you to let our listeners and viewers know, can they do anything outside of California? Those who are listening in California, what can they do? So I know you're busy. A couple more minutes and we'll be done. And then I'm going to talk about a related subject of interest, probably to every parent out there. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. Let me grab Greg for one more moment. Greg Bird from the California Family Policy Council. So, Greg, those within California that are hearing this broadcast, what can they do? Those outside of California, what can they do? Well, if you're in California, you got to call your legislator. Cause, um, and if you come to our website, CaliforniaFamily.org, uh, um, and you scroll down to the bottom, you can see our action center, and we got a calling campaign we're we're working on for both uh, these particular bills, SB 923 and SB 107. We can connect you to your legislator and make sure they. But you got to make sure they know that you're really concerned about these bills. Now, if you're out, I mean, usually people outside of California, I'm assuming you don't really pay too much attention to what California does in its own state. But this particular bill is targeted at you, right? I mean, sadly, uh, California is starting to turn itself into a threat to every family in the country with this bill because it's not going to respect uh, your parental rights. <laughs> it's as it should, right? Um, and so you got to get your own legislators to complain. I mean, I would love it if we had some attorney generals, uh, governors. If this bill gets close to passing, which I am, I don't know, it's, it's nothing stopping it so far. Um, but if we get some national attention on this particular bill, that's going to put a lot more pressure on legislators because, you know, uh, the Constitution is set up that we each state honors the civil judgment of every other state. And California is now deciding they're going to they're going to resist that. They're going to uh, oppose that. They're going to violate the constitution and just see what happens. So other states got to stand up for themselves and you know, <laughs> we need your help. Stand up. Um, that helps us. Here all the, we still got a ton of conservatives here in California. Um, we're a big state. Uh, we're just overwhelmed with the number of liberals. Um, <laughs> so please stand up. It helps. All right. So give the website one more time, please. CaliforniaFamily.org. All right. So especially everyone listening, viewing within California, go there today. Get in touch with your representative. You'll be directed uh, to, to do that when you go there. And 
I should have an article, hopefully next day or two, that's online, uh, laying all this out, laying out what's happening. And again, we're not just talking about what, what happens in California is up to people in California. No, we're talking about it could be your kid that flees to California that has life-altering drugs put in their body or surgery done to their body against your will or consent directly because you have a state that did the right thing. It is extraordinary. It is outrageous. Hey, Greg, stay on the front lines. you got people standing with you, praying for you. And we will, trust, we will trust that God's righteousness will win out and that these kids' lives will be protected. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. 866-34-TRUTH. As we have told you many, many, many times, we're not exaggerating. There's a reason we've been shouting these things from the rooftops for many, many years. In fact, I, I want to give you an illustration in a moment. But first... Have you signed up for our Israel trip yet? You didn't know about it? Okay. Take a moment. Go to AskDrBrown, ASKDRBrown.org. Maybe just tune in. First time listener. Welcome. AskDrBrown.org, ASKDRBrown.org. Right on the homepage, you'll find out about the Israel trip. It's unique. It's special. It'll be a joy to be there together with you in Israel, seeing some amazing sights, having some incredible time together, some great teaching as well, it's just, it's an amazing, amazing time. So check it out, sdrbrown.org. And before you leave the site, if you don't get my newsletters, my updates, my emails, so you'll know here are the latest articles to equip you, because friends, we are here to infuse you with faith and truth and courage. Why? So that you can stand strong. So you can do everything God called you to do. You don't have time to research all the things we research. You don't have time to put out all the videos that we put out because you got a busy life. Just like I don't have time to do a lot of the stuff that you do. So let us help you. Let us serve you. Let us equip you. When you go to the website, sign up for the newsletter. Do that first. You'll just see, get our emails, sdrbrown.org. We've got also a really neat free mini ebook we want to send you on how to pray for America. We'll start there and then put you on our welcome tour. You'll find out more about my testimony from LSD to PhD all that on the website, and then check out the Israel trip. Maybe some friends you know want to go as well. Seating is limited, so if you want to go, the sooner you sign up, the better. Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story, all right? You may have heard this from me before, but I haven't talked about it a lot. And then I want to tell you what's happening in a school perhaps near you, or in a school perhaps where one of your kids goes, or one of your grandkids goes. Okay, so... I was speaking in Canada prior to COVID to several hundred Christian leaders that had gathered together and interested believers talking about cultural issues and the church and what we could do. I gave an illustration of a situation right from Canada. So I said, there's a man, he's, he's been fighting a battle in the courts. Uh, apparently he and his wife were separated, which added to the dynamic here. I didn't have those details though, but this is what I knew. He had a, a 14-year-old daughter, 14, all right? 14-year-old daughter who now was identifying as a boy and strongly encouraged by her school that the emotional, psychological problems she was going through were because she was really a boy trapped in a girl's body. She wanted to go on, on hormones and work against the, the you know, puberty development and things like that. Wanted to get ready to transition. The mother was in favor, the father was against it, so it went to court. And the courts ruled 
for the daughter. You can do what you want to do. They also ruled against the father to the point of saying, if you refer to your daughter as your daughter, if you call her she, if you call her by her female name, her name all her life, if you call her by that, or if you talk about the case publicly, you'll go to jail. If you privately refer to her as, as your daughter and, you, and use her name, you can be arrested for that. You publicly do that, publicly talk about the case, yep, arrested, go to jail. So I shared the story as one illustration of what was happening in Canada. Some people said, oh, he's here. He's here. You want to meet him? I said, of course I want to meet him. So he came up and we talked. So I know the story firsthand. I, I read it. I researched it before I talked about it, made sure I had it accurately. Then meet the father face to face. And we talked about it. He, he told me the details. And I remember meeting him thinking when we met, uh, if I remember he had an earring and he, he wasn't talking like just quoting scripture. It turns out that he was Catholic, but a lapsed Catholic. And this whole situation had brought him back to the Bible and, and back to Catholic roots and things like that. All right. So it, his objection to her doing this was not even initially religiously based. It was just the common sense of a father caring for his daughter. Well, I spoke with him subsequently. Oh, earlier this year, after he had gotten out of jail, he spent months in jail. And because of COVID and other things, and he couldn't be exposed to people, and now there's another issue and he's around people, he spent the time virtually in solitary confinement. He was allowed out one hour a day, but otherwise was alone the entire time. Why? Because he talked about the case publicly. I'm not making this up, friends. Remember, it is our calling as believers to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The salt of the earth means, among other things, that we are the moral conscience of the society. As Dr. King used to say, we're, we're not to be a, a thermometer that just tells you what the temperature is. We're to be the thermostat that helps set the temperature, not by taking over and forcing our views on others. No, we use the political process like everybody else. We seek to influence our legislators like everybody else. And we advocate for our views in the public square. And we raise our families according to our views like everybody else. An atheist has the same rights, a Buddhist has the same rights, a Satanist has the same rights. We can all do that here in America and advocate for our position. And if someone is elected that we don't like and, and they push the, the country in a way that we don't like, well, now we, we do what we know how to do as believers. We shine the light, we preach the gospel, we pray, we fast, we seek to, to vote in people that will do the opposite of the damage. But it's... That's still our elected official. Joe Biden is my president. I didn't vote for him. I don't like the job that he's doing. I pray for God's best in his life, but he's my president. Maybe you didn't vote for Donald Trump. He was your president. That's, that's the way it works. So, so being a salt is changing things from the grassroots. If we get influence, if, if God makes you the next president of the United States and you can have influence, as a believer, great, but you still have to govern the whole country. You can't say, because I'm a Christian, now everyone has to be Christian. Every laws, everyone goes to church on Sunday. No, no, that would be disaster for the nation and for the gospel. No, but you could be godly and 
make good decisions and advocate for certain policies as much as it's up to you to do so and look to appoint judges to the courts that would that would do uh, judicial uh, benefit, bring judicial benefit rather than do damage. You can do all that and set a good example by your character. But I'm not talking about taking over. I'm talking about shining the light in dark places. I'm talking about being the moral conscience. Uh, I'm talking about exposing darkness. And I'm called to do it more than your average pastor as a radio host and an op-ed writer and, 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 and speaking that way. But the whole church is called to be a prophetic voice to the society by hearing what God is saying, by reading what he's saying in his word, and by declaring that to the nation. The whole church is called to be prophetic. And I believe that as leaders in particular in the body, we should be like the sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I'm not so concerned with date setting, about end time prophecy. I'm concerned with how should we live? How should we be living in this age? That's the issue. That's the question. We come back. We're going to the schools. Again, this could well be happening in a school near you or a school where your kids or grandkids attend. So I know I've got your ear. Let's find out what's happening so that we can do something about it. And first and foremost, our weapons are spiritual. Everything starts with our relationship with God and the weapons of prayer and the word of God. That's how. By God's grace, we can bring about change. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the Line of Fire. So if you go over to my website, askdrbrown.org, and you'll see the latest article actually commenting on the vice president's comments to some blind and visually impaired people at an Advocates for Disability meeting where she referenced herself as a woman and her pronouns were she, her, uh, commented on that, that not, not attacking the vice president, but the social madness that sets the, the backdrop for that. The next article after that, so this is all askdrbrown.org. Next article after that is the only surprise is that parents are just now learning about LGBTQ plus curricula in their children's schools. So I write in the article, across the country, parents are reacting with shock and outrage as they discover what their kids are learning in school. These children are being indoctrinated by an aggressive, one-sided, radical LGBTQ plus curriculum, causing many parents to push back aggressively. What surprises me though, is not that the parents are upset. What surprises me is that many are just finding about, out about this now since this indoctrination has been going on for many years. For example, it was back in 2006. Everybody hear that? 2006, 16 years ago, that the New York Times reported, as their children head into adolescence, 
Some parents are choosing to block puberty medically to buy time for them to figure out who they are, raising a host of ethical questions. Not surprisingly, some schools are engaged in a steep learning curve to dismantle gender stereotypes. 2006, friends. What exactly does this mean? At the Park Day School in Oakland, teachers are taught a gender-neutral vocabulary and are urged to line up students by sneaker color rather than by gender. We are careful not to create a situation where students are being boxed in, said Tom Little, the school's director. We allow them to move back and forth until something feels right. This was 2006 at an elementary school, friends. This is a private school, but these things were happening in other schools and were becoming more and more normal now in the public schools. So I ask, should we be shocked today to learn that this gender-confused ideology has spread to schools throughout the country? So, so let me take you into my book, 2011, A Queer Thing Happened to America, where I documented a lot of these things that I've been researching then for, for six years when the book came out. So already in 2011, when A Queer Thing Happened to America was published, I could cite this, quote, official policy of the San Francisco Unified School District Board, restroom accessibility. Students shall have access to the restroom that corresponds to their gender identity exclusively and consistently at school. So as long as you did it all the time in this one direction only, then you choose your bathroom. Los Angeles United School District Reference Guide. Remember, this is in my 2011 books. This was happening for years before that. Gender identity refers to, this is Los Angeles school policy. Gender identity refers to one's understand, excuse me, interests, outlook, and feelings about whether one is female or male, or both, or neither, regardless of one's biological sex. Note those last words carefully. Regardless of one's biological sex. So what we're dealing with now is nothing new. Already in 2011, I could write, saying these things are already happening. Children in elementary schools will be exposed to the rightness and complete normality of homosexuality, bisexuality, and transgender expression. Witness the highly praised academic, uh, witness highly praised academic books such as The Queering of Elementary Education. And opposing views will be branded as dangerous and homophobic to be silenced and excluded from the classroom. And get this, Queering Elementary Education came out in 1999. Yeah, 23 years ago. Chew on that for a moment. The subtitle of the book was Advancing... The dialogue about sexualities and schooling. Yeah. I also wrote that middle schools, high schools, and colleges will go out of their way to encourage both the celebration of homosexuality and deep solidarity with gay activism. And and much of this was rampant on our campuses long before your 18-year-old college-born child or college-bound child was born. So why are we so surprised today? Kevin Jennings wrote this. Founder of Glisten, originally the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, founded in 1990. He boasted in 2005, nearly 3,000 schools have GSAs, Gay Student Alliances, or other student clubs that deal with LGBT issues. In other words, your kid can go there, come out as gay, and you won't even know it. Over 50 national education and social justice organizations, including the National Education Association, have joined Glisten in its work to create safe schools for our nation's children through projects like No Name Calling Week. By the way, I've advocated against bullying, saying teach bullying is bad. You don't have to teach gay is good. Just teach bullying is bad. 2005, in terms of the growth of LGBTQ plus activists, that was a long time ago. 
It was 2009, as I stated in the article, that President Obama appointed Kevin Jennings, himself a gay educator, to serve as Assistant Deputy Secretary for the Office of Safe and Drug-Free Schools. Does he have an agenda? Yes. Clearly, he feels it's in the best interest of the kids. Was he appointed by the president? Yes. His agenda gets pushed nationally. <clears throat> in 2000, well, shortly after 2007, I purchased the second edition of a book called The Glisten Lunchbox 2. All right? So this is a, a tool that was widely circulated uh, around the, the, uh, the country in, in our children's schools. Glisten Lunchbox 2. It was described as, quote, remember it came out in 2007, a comprehensive training program aimed at providing educators and community members with the background, knowledge, skills, and tools necessary to make schools safer and more affirming places for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender students. Some of the activities included North American history game cards, listing 28 North Americans, most were fairly well-known, uh, people like Sarah Josephine Baker, James Baldwin, Leonard Bernstein, George Washington, Carver, Babe Dickinson, Al Ginsburg, etc. All of them, we're told, Tennessee Williams, Baird Russian Summit's known, others, that's their speculation. There, they're all gay. Uh, world history, people like uh, Alexander the Great, Hans Christian Andersen, Pope John Twelfth, Noel Coward, Hadrian, Joan of Arc, Elton John, Leonardo da Vinci, Mich Michelangelo, and on and on. They're all gay or bisexual. The kids are learning this, little kids. There was even an activity called getting in touch with your inner tranny. I I'm not making this up. I own, I own to this day, I have the material. All right? This came out in 2007. Elementary school children, kindergartners. This is how you get in touch with your inner transgender identity. Tell participants better understand and personally relate to the breadth of issues around gender identity and expression. You ask children questions like, have you ever been told to act like a lady, woman, girl, or act like a man? What was the situation? How did it make you feel and why? And if you see someone on the street whose gender is unclear to you, how do you react both internally and externally? Hey, maybe you're trans yourself. Maybe these questions will help trigger these things. So again, gay educators think this is wonderful. As I say in the article, from their perspective, all the progress, the fact that GSAs, these gay straight alliances are all over America, the fact that gay curricula is deeply entrenched in schools all over America, and it has been for years. Gay educators, they think it's great. Kids won't be bullied. They can accept themselves. They won't go through what they went through when they were young, etc. They're thrilled with it. We say it's dangerous and destructive and has no business in our schools. Teach kids to be nice to everybody. Teach kids to be respectful of others. Teach kids that bullying is bad. That does it. Good. Don't start teaching them about their sexual identity. Don't, don't start telling them about gay, straight issues when they're six years old. Absolutely not. Parents are now upset. State after state, they're recognizing what's in the schools and they're shocked. My shock is they're just finding out now because this stuff's been in schools for years. Maybe it just arrived at your school district, but in all likelihood, it has been there for years if it's a typical public school. Unless you're in a really conservative or largely Christian part of the country, and even there it could be in the schools, this has been in the schools for years and years and years. I know everybody's busy. I know it's difficult to track with everything happening in your kids' schools, but you got to. It's essential because now 
if you listen to the Gallup poll, 20% or 20, excuse me, 21% of Gen Z kids, say from 18 up, Gen Z young people, say 18 to 23, 21% of them identify as somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. If you listen to the Barna poll, both from last year, it's 40%. We're going to say my generation, baby boomers, it's less than 3%. The generation behind me, traditionalists, it's less than 1%. What's happened? Indoctrination, brainwashing, social pressure, bad examples. Let's get involved and let's pray for those who differ with us, that they would come into the knowledge of God's grace and truth. Hey, I can't pick up the phone now just because time is too short. Uh, Trevor in California asking, are children allowed to make transitioning decisions. Well, in plenty of schools, they can come out and be encouraged uh, in these decisions, or the school will tell them. Actually, in, in quite a few schools, I've heard of first-hand examples, they'll encourage you, oh, no, you're trans, you need to go in this direction. But they can't get the medical help without parental approval. Hence, California is saying, well, then we're just going to open the door. We're going to open the door, and the kids could come here, and, and it will be illegal for you to pull them out because this is just like child abuse. If you won't let them get this, it's child abuse. It's turning the world upside down. It's child abuse to do this to kids. So those living in California, go to californiafamily.org. Get involved. Raise your voices. For the sake of the children, let's raise our voices. Another program powered by the Truth Network.